Pastor Lau and Pastor Dala Haprasit would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church in Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's anointed teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. And now, Pastor Lau. Let me read the scripture and we will preach the word of God and explain the word of God. I may not be able to finish this sermon one time. I may need to come back next Sunday to finish it because I want to make sure I go slowly that people get the message. Second Corinthians chapter 9 verses 6 to 11. Second Corinthians chapter 9 verses 6 to 11. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, Having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gift to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. I want to talk about the second keys to prosperity. Many Sundays ago, I was talking about the first key of prosperity that was in the book of Haggai, chapter 2. We were learning about building the house of God. At that time, we learned that when we pull up our sleeve and build the house or the church today, God will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And He will bring prosperity to those who get involved in building the house. And actually, the Bible also says if we just build our own house and we will not care about the house of God, many problems can happen in our life. So the first key is building the house. Today, the second key that we're going to talk. First of all, whenever we talk about money, it's a sensitive issue. And I can boldly stand up here to preach because what I'm preaching here is what I have been doing for 31 years. Number two, because I have no agenda for myself. I don't have agenda because I'm a neurosurgeon. I don't need your money. I can earn money myself. There's no reason for me to get money from you at all. Number three, because I experience what I'm preaching today. Number four, I've been in this church from the first day. And I know that all the elders in this church have pure motives. All the elders, our volunteers, gain nothing from this church. They spend hours and hours and time and energy to build the church without any personal benefit for all these 20 years. They meet, they talk, they try to protect the benefit of the church. This is not an organization that is built up to make somebody rich or make somebody well-to-do. It's all about Jesus and the gospel. Definitely, we need to take care of full-time workers. We need to pay them salary and take care of them. But it's not something like we're going to talk about money so that I can have a house for my dog or so that I can go and have fun and people give money to me. 
All these 22 years, I never asked for salary from the church. Not that because I don't deserve the salary. Actually, I deserve the salary because I work very hard. But because I want to show to the members that serving God is not about money. Serving God is about dedication. Definitely, one day if I quit my medical job, the church should take care of me. It's normal to take care of me if I quit the medical job. But all these years, I want to let you know, money is not the Motive of this church. The motive of this church is to see people saved. Is to see you grow. Is to see your family come back together. Your kids love God. You are healed. You are blessed by God. You will be fruitful for the kingdom of God. That is our motive, and that motive is of heaven. There's no hidden agenda at all. So I just want to make sure you understand. Because sometimes in America, especially not in Asia, when the church talk about money, a lot of people begin to think, "Oh, this preacher need my money again." I'm sorry, that is not me. I'm not that kind of preacher. I'm gonna teach the word, and it's up to you whether you want to obey the word or not. You are responsible for your own spiritual life. Amen. I try to help you, but you need to make your own decision. God said to me, "Help people to know me." And help people to know my truth. That's why each week I spend hours and hours and hours editing the MP3 teaching. This morning I woke up and I spent about half an hour editing my sermon from Friday night. Spent hours and hours to produce the teaching in Thai, in Mandarin, and in Japanese. Because my heart burden is to help people to know the truth. Because the truth will set them free. Ignorance, lacking understanding, or going by common sense or by human idea destroy our life. As Christian, we need to go by what the Bible say, not just common sense. Because the common sense will say, if we want to be rich, we need to keep, keep. Keep. We need to be stingy. Keep for ourselves, and then we can be rich. We don't have to think about somebody else. We don't need to think about the kingdom of God. But the truth of God in the Bible sometimes or many times go against our common sense, our human idea, and man's principle. That's why we need to study the Bible. We need to know the Bible so we know what God wants us to do. Amen. It's my job and the church to educate you that the principle of God may not be the same way the world thinks. And thank God, all these thirty years that I and Pastor Da have become a Christian, we experience the reality of the Word of God. And I want to tell you one thing: I'm not going to teach or preach anything that I don't do. I'm not going to just tell you what to do, but I don't do it myself. I want to preach for my experience. I want to preach for my life, for my blood and bone. I'm going to do whatever the word of God say before I preach, because otherwise it's not fair to you that I tell you what to do, but I don't do it myself. I'm going to do what the word of God say, no matter how hard it is. And I want to experience what God say. Christian life is the life of experiences. Amen. How many people say I want to get married but never meet the girl? No experience in your marriage. Just marry in the paper, but your wife live far away, never have honeymoon, never meet each other for ten years. Is that the good real marriage? No, real marriage you need to have experience. So the same thing, Christian life you need to have experience. The Book of Proverbs, chapter eleven, verses twenty-four to twenty-five. This is the principle of God. One man gives freely, yet gains even more. If you give out of your free will, give. Generously, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. This is the principle of God. If we are generous givers, God will bless us and we will be prosperous. But if we are stingy, 
We just think about me, my, I, my stuff. I don't want to share with anybody. It will lead us to problem and poverty. Acts chapter 20 verse 35 say, In everything I did, I show you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. I believe that every Christian, you need to set the goal that one day you will come to the point that you will be the giver, not the receiver. I understand people are immature. They come to church and they think about what can people help me? How can people give me money? I want more people to help me. Me, 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 me. I understand at the beginning of your Christian walk, you may not know God. You may not know the Bible. You are immature. You're just thinking about yourself. But you need to grow up to the point that, hey, I want to be the giver. I want to bless people. I want to pay for people lunch. I want to help people around me, pay for the gasoline. I'm going to help people give and help people. I don't want to be just a receiver. Don't take me wrong. When people give you, you should receive by grace because that person can be blessed by giving to you. I'm not saying that you are so arrogant that you don't receive from anybody. People can give you too, but the goal is not to receive, but the goal is to give. Be a giver. Lifestyle of giving is very important. So in this scripture, 2 Corinthians chapters 9, verses 6 to 11, the context is about money. The context is about giving. And you don't like the church to talk about money. I'm sorry. God talks a lot about money in the Bible. You know why? Because God wants your heart. The reality is money is connected to the heart. Wherever your heart is, that's where your money will be. If you like sport car, you're going to spend the dollars for the sport car. You're going to polish your car. You spend time to polish your sport car because your heart is with the sport car. If your heart is with golf, you're willing to spend $300 an hour to play golf because your heart is linked to your money. Whatever your heart is, you're going to spend money on. So God said, if you love me, you don't mind to spend money for me. You don't mind to give money to me. Actually, it's not about money. It's about your heart. God wants your heart. And this scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, is about special offering. This is not the 10%, but this is beyond 10%. Special offering, helping the needies, mission fund, building fund, buying equipment for the church, special help to certain project, maybe give money to orphanage. Maybe when another city has a flood or earthquake, we give special offering to that situation to help people around us. By the way, tithe belong to the local church that you receive the food from. Don't give your tithe to other church and to other organization because where you get feeding, that's where you pay tithe. That's fair because that tithe will be used for the paper, the cleaning the carpet here, pay for the full-time pastor and workers. In the Old Testament, when the Levites come out to serve God full-time, the Levites did not have any land to make money. So God asked the other 11 tribes to give 10% to the temple. And that 10% is for the well-being of the Levites or the full-time workers. So the tithe is for the expenses of the local church, for the workers and employees and cleaning the house and doing the yard work, all the expenses of the house of God. So I never give 10% to other church. I give 10% to this church. Only. I just came back from LA and I gave some offering to LA Church. And that is not my tithe. That is special offering to help them rent the hotel for the meeting. And when we give, God say clearly that when we have the right heart to give to someone else or some poor people or some orphanage, 
what it means to him. In Matthew chapter 25 verse 40, the king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. When you help the poor, when you help people who are in need, we are not doing it to that person, but we doing it to the Lord. Amen. In fact, I went to Thailand this last time and I saw one couple who lost the job and they have one daughter. The Lord spoke to me directly, help this couple until they find a job. And I did. I sent money to this couple. I didn't even know them that much at all. They are brand new members of our church in Bangkok. But God just spoke to me, you need to help this couple. So I sent money to help this couple, at least to have food to eat, pay their gas, help the kid. And I'm going to keep helping them until they find a job. God spoke to me, I need to obey. That I need to help the poor. Amen. Last night, Pastor Dad talked to me, some family in the church, that if their parents have something happen to them, we say together that we will not let their kids hungry. My family is going to help to take care of those kids in this church. I'm not talking about outside. I'm talking about member of this church. I need to pay attention to my own church first. I cannot help people in the whole world. But the priority is the member of the church, that we're going to take care of our own members. Make sure they are not hungry. They are not lacking. Amen? That is giving. That is helping people. And when we do that to people, God's people, He say, you do it to me as well. Amen? We practice what we learn from the Bible. So we can give special offering to the needy, the poor, the orphanage, the widows who have no husband to help and are in financial difficulties. We can give money to the special project or to the mission fund or to the servant of God who may get into financial trouble. We can give all this special offering beyond the tithe. In fact, the Bible says that 10% belong to the Lord. He just wants to test our faithfulness and our obedience and faith, whether we are cheating or not. So if you get $1,000 as your salary, $100, he say belong to him. So when you give $100 to him, it's not a giving, it's not a gift. It's a returning money to the owner. You need to understand this. 10% is giving back to the owner. So if I give money to you $100 and I expect you to give me back and you don't give, you cheat me. So not giving 10% is cheating, period. If you get mad at me, I'm sorry. I'm speaking from the Bible and I'm doing it. I give 10% since I was one year old Christian. I never stopped giving 10%. That's why God blessed me so much all this time in my practice. But you start to really give to God, really give to God at the special offering. 10% is just to give back what he owns. You just return money to him. He just wants to test your faithful. God is a person. If people are not faithful, I cannot trust them. I cannot trust them with more authority, with more money. If people are not responsible, not faithful, they cannot get any authority. They cannot get any responsibility in the church because they are not faithful. God tests all of us to see whether we are faithful or not. If we are faithful in little things, such as 10%, then God will trust us to give us more anointing, more riches of heaven, which is the Holy Spirit and the wisdom, the things that you cannot buy with money. I tell you, many things in life you cannot buy with money. Anointing, wisdom, grace, favor of God, protection, Divine health, good family, blessing to the kids. Money cannot buy all of these things. And God said, if you are faithful in giving 10% to me, I'm going to give you true riches of heaven. Wisdom, anointing, all these things. Whenever I heard people get sick, I tell you right now, I have a holy anger. 
I hate sickness, and I cry out to God right away. Give me more faith and anointing that when I lay hand on the sick, they shall recover. Because I hate sickness. I don't like to see family break down. And I say, God, give me more grace to save all this family that the husband and wife will come back together. I just went to LA and I noticed that many young guys, about 17 years old, sit in the church meeting at that time, and many of them have a bad face, like. Very bad attitude, and I find out that all of them grew up from a family that husband and wife broke up long time ago. The kids that grew up in a family that husband and wife broke up usually have a lot of problem, and that's why I want to see husband and wife repent and come back together. I need the grace as a pastor to help these people. And how can God give me grace if I'm not even faithful in 10%? He cannot trust me. I want God to trust me big time. Everyone say big time. You want God to trust you big time? Yes. Everyone say big, big time. time. Big, grace. big grace. Big favor of God. Favor. Great anointing. Great. So special offering is really the gift. Tithe is just returning what belongs to him. Amen. Now, we're going to learn expository teaching here from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm going to go slowly verse by verse. What God tried to explain to us about special offering. How many people want to be prosperous? Raise your hand up. How many people want to be poor? Everyone want to prosper? So you need to obey what God said. One thing about God, He never lies. He keeps His word. Whatever He say, He shall make it happen. This is the characteristic of our God who created the heavens and the earth. Whatever He say shall happen. He never lies. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 say, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Let's look at the characteristic, three characteristics of the giving that will produce prosperity. The first principle is we need to give generously. If we sow one seed, you get one tree and little, little harvest. If you sow 10 seeds, you get 10 trees and you get more crops. If you sow 100 seed, you get 100 trees, you get more fruit. So the principle is generous giving, generous reaping. God is very fair. If you are generous to Him, He will be generous back to you. He is a very fair God. That's why I read again in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. If you want to come out from poverty, you need to start to be generous. You are generous in the little thing you have now, and God going to bring in more. And you can be more generous at the end. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 9. You can see that God talked a lot about money in the Bible. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 9. A generous man will himself be blessed, for he shares his food with the poor. Talking about being generous and helping the poor, helping the needy. The principle is the more we sow, the more we reap. Now the question is, how God judged generosity? He judged the generosity not by the absolute amount you pay or you give. Let me read the Bible from Luke chapter 21, verses 1 to 4. As Jesus looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. I tell you the truth, he said. This poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gift out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. 
So in the eyes of God, it's not about the absolute amount. If you have one billion dollars and you give five thousand, in the eyes of God, compared to a person who has one thousand dollar and give five hundred dollars, who is more generous? The one who has five thousand dollars. Generous mean to give the best out of your life, out of your being to God. God doesn't look at the absolute amount. God look at your heart. Actually, the God look at how much you have left, not how much you give. This lady gave everything that she had out of her poverty. But the rich man in the Bible here give a little bit of them, but it's a lot in the eyes of poor people because they are not generous to God. This poor widow was very generous in the eyes of Jesus. Jesus was standing in the temple, and instead of looking at the ceiling, wow, what a beautiful architecture! Look at the carpet. Oh wow, look at the furniture in the temple. What was he looking at? He was looking at the offering bag. He was watching how people gave to God. When you give money into the offering bag, you think that the pastor doesn't see. You think that the pastor doesn't know how much you write a check, but one person knows Jesus. I believe that every time we pass the bag and get, have offering time, no one know what is in your hand, but Jesus watched and knew because He want to know your heart. He know how much you give. You can lie to me, but you're gonna lie to God. In fact, I never check even one time who give tie ten percent to this church. I never call the office and say, "Give me the list of people who give ten percent." I never, because it's between you and God. Amen. I never check who give how much in the church. I I don't want to relate to you because of money. I love you unconditionally. I believe God loves you unconditionally too. But it's between you and God whether you are faithful in giving or not. Everyone say, "Generous heart." Give the best. Out of myself, not only give generously. Number two, give willingly. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give. In other words, God doesn't force anybody to give. It must come from your willingness, from your heart. He's not going to force you. He's not going to pressure you. He's not going to ch- choke you and shake your neck and say you must give right now. If you don't give, I'm going to knock in your head right now. He will not do that. And I'm not going to do that either because I learned from the Bible that giving is a free will. You need to make your own decision in your heart how much you give. God say that you give what you decided in your heart. What does it mean? Our heart has a burden. We give according to the burden we have. That's why the Bible say that for wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What is your burden? If your burden is to enjoy your own life all the time, I'm gonna have a five vacation homes up on the beach, and I'm gonna enjoy my sport car, my five cars, and big house. I'm gonna enjoy this and that for myself. Then you're gonna keep all of your money and spend all of your money on those things: the cars, the house, the vacation homes, the buying a jet airplane for yourself. It's everything about me because your heart burden is about having good time. But if your heart burden is For the next generation, how our kids and grandkids and great grandkids gonna love God? If your heart burden is for the orphans, if your heart burden is for China, for Japan, your heart burden is for the souls. Your heart burden is to see people get saved, get strong, receive the word of God. If your heart burden is for the Great Commission to glorify God, your heart burden is to make Jesus happy. You want the business of the Father prosper. If your heart burden is about the kingdom of God, definitely your spending, how you give money, gonna be related to your burden. 
I and my wife, our burden is to see the church strong. We have people saved. On Friday night, when I lay hand on people and I saw people get touched by God, I was so happy because I want to see people change, get strong, become a real disciple of Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit. That's my heart burden. I don't mind to spend hours and hours and lay hand on people because I have the heart burden for God's people to be strong. I don't mind to spend time, to spend money, to fly to Thailand. To fly to Japan because my heart burden is to see souls safe over there. I don't mind to spend money to produce CD because my heart burden is for the kingdom of God. Whatever your heart burden is, you're gonna spend money on it. The reason why I love the touch of the Holy Spirit, I love the Holy Spirit to touch people because I have been a Christian for 30 years and I learned that even though you are Christian, you're still walking in the flesh. And if you don't have a lot of the Holy Spirit, the flesh is going to control you and your burden is going to be on for your fleshly desire. But the more Holy Spirit touch you, the more He clean up all the fleshly desire out of you, the more burden for the kingdom of God is going to rise up in you. Actually, on Friday night when God touched people, God touched me too. And I even feel stronger for the burden for the kingdom of God. When I woke up on Saturday, I just hearing the worship song, I start to cry already. I feel the... God just give me burden for the church, for the lost soul, for people, for the well-being of people because the heart of God is well-being of people. Love people more. And I want you to have the same burden. And that burden come only by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of Jesus has to fill you up so that the flesh will decrease and the burden of God will increase. Amen. I speak like this from my experience. And I know this is the heart of God. He wants you to become more like Him. And if you have the burden like Him, the way you live, the way you spend time and money, everything will going to be changed. I know this is a very heavy message. But I told my wife all the time that I don't want to play game in this church. I want to get right on the point. I want to be right on. No time to play around in this church. Just tell you the truth. You get it, you repent and change because I have no time to play game. Amen. We want to be like Christ. We want to have the burden of the Lord Jesus Christ in our heart. So that when we give, we give out of the burden. And it's good. God look at our heart, look at the, our burden. And he say, good. You have godly, heavily burden. Not only that. He say, not reluctantly or under compulsion. What does it mean? It means that you don't only give generously. Sometimes, you know, people have so much money. They can give generously. Or they can have burden. But that giving is out of a wrong motive. Not wholeheartedly, that they love God wholeheartedly, but because they want position. They want to be recognized. They want to be looked at as a, wow, you are just a generous giver in the church. The wrong motive come in, not because they wholeheartedly love God. We have to be careful because God looked at our attitude and motive. You remember Ananiah and Sapphira? They gave money to the early church and they got punished. Actually, they died because their attitude of giving was totally wrong. They just want to show off that, you know, I give to, to the apostle. But their attitude is not right. So God punished them. God want to tell the church that, hey, early church, the issue of money is serious. You cannot play game with finances in the church. I'm really fear God. I tell you right now as a pastor, I really careful about spending money in the church because I have the fear of God on the inside of me. We don't just use money for fun and do something. We are every penny we use here very careful because I don't want to be like Ananias and Sapphira. Because as a pastor, if I spend money in the wrong way and uh, have a bad attitude or motive, eventually I'm going to get it. God going to punish me. Because God take this seriously. Amen? 
So we need to give to God out of sincerity, out of the love for God, wholeheartedly, not reluctantly. Hey, should I give or not? Maybe if I give, the pastor will like me more. I need to let him know a little bit how much I give. Or under compulsion mean, oh, if I don't give, they may not love me anymore. You feel feel pressure to give. Don't do that. Just give out of free will. God loves the right heart. God look at the heart more than anything else. Amen. And the last thing I want to share today, and then I will continue next Sunday. I know some of you may try to avoid next Sunday now. <laughs> I'm a man of good memory. That's why I can be a neurosurgeon. When I look in the congregation, I know who missed the church. I know who missed the church. I know who did not come on Friday night. I know exactly. <laughs> Sometimes Pastor Dow wonder why do you know all this because my eyes. Sometimes I ask about you, where are they? Even sometimes I ask about guests, where are that guests disappear? Because I care for you, I loved you so much. Amen. Number one, give generously. Number two, give wholeheartedly. Give with the right heart. Give with the right burden in your heart. The last one, give joyfully. The Bible says, "For God loves a cheerful giver." If you're gonna give, you give cheerfully, joyfully. Yes, God loves us unconditionally. The Bible says God loves the cheerful giver. I believe it means God gonna give a special grace and favor to people who give joyfully. You're gonna get a special protection, special healing, special favor, special open door. God gonna show special love to you because you give with a cheerful heart. A lot of time, charismatic Christian love to worship. Clap hand, hallelujah! When they sing song and worship God, they jump up and down and dance and happy. They look so joyful during the worship time. But when the offering bag come by, <laughs> money again. They want my money again. Don't have that attitude. You don't give to man. You give to God. Amen. So give it joyfully. Say hallelujah, smiling. Be happy. Amen. Amen. Give it joyfully, and God gonna show special love to you. Amen. There are three kinds of heart: stony heart. God need to use a hammer to knock to get one penny out of them. The second kind of heart is sponge. God need to squeeze to get the money out of that heart. And number three is like a reverse: the flowing out, the river of God flowing in, the heart of reverse flowing out. Come in and go out. Come in and go out. Keep flowing and giving. When we talk about giving, we talk about God. When we talk about giving, we talk about love. God is love, and because He loved, He gave. He gave the best of the best to us. He gave His Son to us so that we can have eternal life. I thank God that 30 years ago I came to know Jesus Christ. If I did not know Jesus, my life would be in a mess today. But He gave His Son to me and to you because He loves you. He died for you. Giving is the character of God. He gave us oxygen to breathe. He gave us the job. He gave us friends. He gave us the good church. He gave us the building. He loved us so much, and he gave us so many good things. And he wants us to become more like him. Be a giver. Be generous. If you give, God will give back to you. Amen. Amen. You will never outgive God. He keeps his promises. The whole purpose today is to help you to change your thinking. That from now on. I'm not going to be a stingy, self-centered person anymore. I want to be a giver. Maybe you see some kids in the church that the family just get by financially. You may go to some toy store and buy some gift for those kids who don't have any good toy to play. 
Maybe you see somebody lost a job. You can help that person financially for a while until that person find a job. We should look around to do good to one another, give to one another, take care of the house of God first. Here, the primary place is your own family and your own church, and after that, you extend to outside the church. If I have only one hundred dollars to spend for people, and I have two choices: one in the church and one outside the church, I give one hundred to the church first, to members in the church first. I need to take care of my own family first, and they should go to their church and taking care by their own church too. Everyone should be in the church. You see my point? Giving offering to people who are in need. If the church is like that, we're going to be a great, great community. People love each other, help each other all the time in the house of God. Everyone say, "I never outgive God." God is love, and He gave. I want to be like Him. Don't let worry come. Don't let pressure come. Be generous to God. Be cheerful. Be wholehearted to God. Amen. God can change the situation around for you. God may open a new job for you. God will perform miracle for you. Sometimes it may not be a big raise, but God protect your roof not to be broken for ten years, so that you don't have to spend money on the roof. God may protect you from medical bill. God can do so many things to help you financially. Amen. You learn something today. We continue next Sunday. How many people promise you will not miss church next Sunday? <laughs> I may change my mind and teach something else next Sunday, and then come back the third Sunday and teach this one. You cannot predict me. I may say like this, and then suddenly I preach something else next Sunday, and you think that you're going to come back the other Sunday to avoid this message. Ah, the message come back to you. God will speak to me. He knows. Don't try to run away from this message. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Any one of you don't know Jesus Christ, you don't have personal relationship with Jesus. I want to encourage you to come to know Him. God is real. God created mankind. We were created by God, and He just wait for you to come back to have relationship with Him. Jesus. Came into the world and he proved that he is the son of the living God. He was born from a virgin. He performed miracles, stopped the wind, healed the sick. He claimed that he is the son of the living God, and whoever come to know him will have eternal life. And after he died on the cross, on the third day he came back to life. As a medical doctor, it's impossible for a person who died for three days to come back to life. This is definitely supernatural miracle of God. God is real. I want to encourage you to give your life to Jesus. Invite Jesus to come into your life. He will help you. He will take care of you. He will teach you and show you the way. I invited Jesus 31, 32 years ago, and I never regret that I become a Christian. I want to encourage you to do the same thing. Even one person in this room want to invite Jesus to come in your life. God is so happy already because you're going to start a new life. Or some of you say that I think I'm a Christian, but actually, you haven't walked with God for a long time. You know about God, but you don't walk with God. I want to encourage you to walk with God. Amen. How many people want to walk with God? Raise your hand up. Raise your hand. You want to walk with God? Raise your hand up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Pray with me. Keep your hand up. Lord Jesus, 
Thank you, Lord. You died for me. You love me so much. Be in my life. Sit on the throne of my life, Lord Jesus. Because you love me first, you saved me. I want to serve you. I want to walk with you every single day. I want to know you more. Help me, O oh Lord, to walk with you to the last day. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm gonna preach the message. Continue the second part from last Sunday in the Second Corinthians chapter nine, verses six to eleven. You need to understand that we need to know the word. Practice the word. We should not be just hearers of the word of God. We need to be doers of the word of God. Even though the word may go against your thinking, but the word of God never lies. We need to practice what the word of God say. Second Corinthians chapter nine verses six to eleven say, "Remember this: whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously." Let me ask a question: How many people want to be poor forever? How many people want to be poor? Okay, if you want to be poor, you sow sparingly. You're going to be poor forever. How many people want to be richer? What do you do? Sow generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you. So that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, He has scattered abroad His gift to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now He, mean God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, will also supply and increase your store of seed, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich. In every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving. Last Sunday, we learned that in order to be prosperous, one of the principle is to be a generous giver. A stingy hand will make a person poor, but a generous hand, generous heart, give out to the poor, give out to the mission, give out to the work of God, will bring prosperity to your life. And last Sunday we learned that we need to give with the right heart. Number one, generous heart. Number two, willing heart, according to the godly burden that God has given to us. And number three, we need to give joyfully. We should not do it grudgingly. Today we will continue the second part of the sermon. What happens if we are generous giver? We give cheerfully, we give generously, and also willingly and wholeheartedly. The Bible promises. This is not my word. This is the promise of God. Look at verse eight, part one. And God is able to make all grace abound to you. So prosperity that God gives to the generous giver come by His grace. Grace means you don't deserve it, and somebody already paid for you on the cross. Jesus died and became poor so that we might be rich. So Jesus already paid the price for you to be rich, to be prosperous. Jesus became poor so that we might be rich. You did not deserve it, but God paid for you. Not only that, the word grace. Yes, that is the the theory that God died for me and God paid for me. 
But in reality, somebody need to make this grace happen to us. The word grace also means supernatural intervention, supernatural help by the Holy Spirit to make things happen for you, to give you what you need, to make you become what you can be, and to give you the ability to do what you need to do. Everyone say, be, do. You can be what God make you to be. God give me grace to be a neurosurgeon. God give me grace of supernatural ability by the Holy Spirit to be a preacher. By nature, I'm a quiet man. I don't like to talk much. But when I get up on the pulpit with the Holy Spirit, I can speak for an hour nonstop because of the grace of God, not because I'm a great man. Just because the grace of God is upon my life. I can fix my patient's problem because of the grace of God. God give us much grace, all grace, supernatural intervention, supernatural ability, supernatural help, supernatural provision that come from heaven so that we can be prosperous. God will supernaturally open the door for you to find a new job. God will supernaturally talk to your boss to give a rest for you. God can do anything supernaturally from heaven by His grace that you might be rich. Amen? How many people want the grace of God? If you want the grace of God in your life, you need to obey the Bible to be a generous giver. Not only that, prosperity will come supernaturally by the grace of God. Number two, prosperity that is sufficient for all needs. We all have needs in our life. The Bible says, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need. We all have needs in life. We need clothes. We need food. We need shelters. We need transportation. We need education. We need income to pay bills, the gas bill, the heat bill, to pay the gasoline bill. We all have needs. And God said that those who are generous givers, their needs will be met. Not just certain needs, but all needs. Every need in your life. You may have different needs for me. For example, I and Pastor Da are not very organized person. We are not administrative at all. I'm more like just teacher. She is encourager. So we don't know how to do administration very well, especially trained to be a doctor. Don't know much about administration. The only thing you know, meet a patient, cut on the patient, send the patient home. That's it. I don't know how to do administration. But thank God my needs are met because we are generous giver. And God sent many members into the church who have the ability to do administration to help me. God always provides for our needs because we are generous givers, because we obey what He says. We seek the kingdom of God first. We live our life for the kingdom of God. And all our needs shall be met. Amen? How many people want to live like that? That all your needs are met. Amen. Maybe your need is to have a wife. God can bring a wife to you. Amen? I don't hear man say amen here. You don't need a wife? Or oh, they're all married. Okay. If you need a husband, God can bring a husband to you. You need. Quiet. Okay. People in this room, all the single don't want to get married. Matthew chapter 6, verses 31 to 33. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things, all the things that you need in your life, will be given to you as well. This is the promise of God. Amen? Everyone say sufficiency. 
in everything. The Bible say in 2 Corinthians 6 8, in all things, not only certain things. So God can provide for you all the things that you need. It's different between all the things that you want and all the things that you need. The Bible here talk about what you need, not what you want. For example, a seven-year-old child doesn't need a motorcycle. A five-year-old boy doesn't need a gun. So that is not what he needs. What he needs is food, education, shelter, good parents. God will provide all of our needs and we don't need to worry about it. God is going to take care of us that we're going to have enough for everything that we need, place to live, a car, a transportation, the food, health, medication, friends, anything that we need, God going to provide for us supernaturally, all the necessary things. And not only all the things, the Bible says, at all times. It means that God will provide for you when you are students, when you are workers, when you have a job, when you are retired. Whatever time of your life, at all times, any time of your life, God can provide all the needs for you. When you are single, when you get married, when you get older, when you live in America or you live in Thailand or live in Vietnam, wherever you are, at all times, God will take care of your need. Is that the wonderful promise of God? If you are a cheerful giver, generous giver, God will take care of all of your needs at any time. Amen. All the days of your life, He will take care of you. Take care of your need. What we need to do is to trust Him and live our life for Him. Seek the kingdom of God first. And He will perform a miracle to take care of us. Other people may not be able to find a job. You can find a job. People may not have business. You have good business. Because God will take care of you all the times. Everyone say, in all things. At all times. How many people like that? In all things. At all times, I like that. Not only that, the Bible say in verse 8, you will abound in every good work. Okay, this is beyond our need now. God said that if we give generously, willingly, cheerfully, on a regular basis, God will meet our need, every need, all the needs, and at all times, and not stop there. He will give more abundantly, left over, overflow out of the cup, 12 basket full left over. The boat almost sink. The nets almost break. He give more than what you need. So that you can have sufficiency for all good works. When you say, I have enough for my need, it means that paycheck to paycheck to pay all the bills. The gas bill, the heat bill, the mortgage bill. And at the end of the month, your bank account is zero again. That is all you need. But God said that I will give you more than what you need. Going to be left over, overflowing to be able to do good deeds. You can feed people. You can invite people for dinner and share Jesus Christ with them. You can help a widow. You can go visit people who are in need. You have money to pay gasoline. I know that some of you live far away from this area. And when you see the number of one gallon, four dollar, 35 cent or 44 cent, you kind of think, oh, maybe I should switch the church to be the church next door. So I don't have to drive. I just walk down there. I can save money for gas. I know some of you are tempted to think that way. But God say, I will take care of your need and I will give you more than what you need 
so that you can do every good work. You remember when Jesus want to feed 5,000 men and other women and children, a boy gave him five loaves and two fish to feed all these people to do good deeds. And what happened? He has 12 baskets full left over take back to his mom. He is able to have left over to do more. So if we are willing to give to God, whatever little, little we have, give into the hand of God. God is able to multiply and do good things in the world through your hand. This is through your hand. You give to Jesus. Jesus fed more than 5,000 people. After he multiplied, he gave back 12 baskets full to be able to do good deeds again. God said that we will have sufficiency to do every good work. Not just only a few good works. Every good works. What are the good works? The good work is related to the good God. In our camp this year, I will teach in detail the subject called God is good. You should not miss the camp. It's good. God is good. Our God is perfect and good. Every gift that comes from Him is good. And when we say every good work is the work that is related to God, such as the work that will lead people to know God, the work that help people to repent of their sin and come to know Jesus Christ, the work that is related to making disciples, that people grow more, the work that helping the poor, that they will see the love of God in this world, the work that help the orphans and the needy, and the widows who cannot help herself. The work that expands the kingdom of God. Every good work. You can do good work by inviting your neighbor to dinner. Show love to them and eventually tell them Jesus loved you. Anything that connects to Jesus is a good work. It's not for your own benefit. If I feed my neighbor dinner just to get some personal benefit to myself, even though you feed them with dinner, but the motive is for myself, is for my reputation. That is not good work. That is selfish work. I give you an example. Yesterday, the River of Blessing Church in Chikuse, Ibaraki, want to show our recording movie. And with some technical problem, we were not able to put in the website. And I have to drive up to North Seattle, Linwood, try to get the file, come back to my son-in-law house, try to download into the computer, I spent all this money and gas and time, three or four hours on the road. It's not fun driving around. But it's okay with me because it's a good work to bless the people in Japan. I'm willing to do it. The good work is something that you do to build people up, to help people to love God more. Actually, the Bible talks about a lot of good works. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Look for opportunity. When you do good work, you need sometimes need to spend money. Gasoline, pay gas, buying food. We have care group our house. We used to have only one time. Now we have two times of a few weeks. And Pastor Da, all the time, will go out to buy fruit and dessert and some snack put on the table. She will take care of the house, clean the house up. These are good work so that people who come to our house will be blessed will grow, will be taken care, they will love God more, they want to serve Jesus more. We want to use our finances and housing and everything, the carpet, everything in our life for the good work, to help people to love Jesus more, to come to know the Lord more. Amen? Every time we were buying a house, we always think, can this house be used for the kingdom? Can this house be used for the meeting of the church. We always think that way. We just don't buy the house for me, my, my comfort. No. We bought the house for the kingdom of God. We want to use our car, our house, our carpet, our kitchen 
for the things of God. Do the good work to the family of believers. Colossians chapter 1 verse 10. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. When you spend your time and money and people see your life, wow, I want to know his God or her God. Because you live a life worthy of God. They see that you happy, you smile, you're positive, you are so helpful, you give, you extend your hand to help people who in need. They see you and say, hey, I want to go to your church. Where is your church? I want to know your God. You live a life worthy of the Lord and may please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. I like that. I like this scripture. Colossians chapter 1 verse 10 should be for every one of us. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 say, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. According to this scripture, God did not cookie cut you out to be the same. We all are created in a different way. We are wired in a different way. We are very different. And in our way of who we are, God will use us to do good work. I give you example. If you come to counseling with Pastor Da, this is the way she is and not me. I was created different from her. She would say a word of encouragement. She would keep encouraging you. And you listen to her for a while. I even was melt when I listened to her. Oh, I like to hear this. It's so good. But if you turn to me and ask me, what do you think? I will not say, oh, it's okay. La. Everything will be okay. La. I will say to you, one, Two, three, four. Get it done. Because I was created to be a teacher. So I will tell you one, two, three, four. And you do it. If you don't do it, you pay the price. For Pastor Da, God loved you. God would help you, take care of you. She would encourage you. We were different. We workmanship of God in my life and her life is different. And you too. Your good work may be different from my good work. Because we are created in a different way. Don't try to copy somebody else. You need to find out who you are, what kind of gift you have, and you exercise your gift and become who you are and do the good work from out of you of who you are. You don't need to imitate another person. Amen? You don't need to copy another person. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 say, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work, yeah, he's a good God, he began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day. Of Christ Jesus. Amen. God wants us to do good work. And He starts in us when we get saved. And He wants to continue to do good work in us until the end. We're going to have enough money to do good work. We're going to have enough finances, enough resources to do good work. If you're willing to be a giver. Amen. Pastor Da and I started from after finished the medical school from being a neurosurgeon many years ago. I started from about $200 salary. Pastor Da maybe $300 working for the bank. I work for the government. And we began to tithe. And we began to help the poor in the Baptist church in Thailand. We gave, we closed the bank account to give to the church. And we were not rich at that time. I was just came out from student. My dad did not give me money. I came out from my house with my wife without money. And we start from zero. But we gave, we gave, and we gave. And then God blessed my clinic. And God then blessed me to come to the U.S. to get a job at the University of Washington. And then God blessed me to get the best job in Bellevue and Kirkland. And then God blessed me to have many patients. And all of my patients are doing well. So God bring the reputation to me so that many patients will come to me so I can do the church work. So I can spend money from my practice for the church. 
Amen. Because we want to do good work, we want to build the church. Amen. I want to read a story of a man. This is happening in 1847. As a child, Henry Crowell was very ill and could not go to school. After hearing a sermon by Dwight L. Moody, young Crowell prayed, "I cannot be a preacher, but I can be a good businessman. God, if you will let me make money, I will use it in your service." Under the doctor's advice, Crowell worked outdoors for seven years. And regain his health. He then bought the little rundown Quaker mill at Ravana, Ohio. Within 10 years, Quaker Oats, you know Quaker Oats, was a household word to millions. Crowell also operated the huge Perfection Stove Company for over 40 years. Henry P. Crowell faithfully gave 60 to 70% of his income to God's causes, having advanced from an initial 10%. This is a man who was very successful in his business because he was giving 10% first and increased to 60 to 70%. Why we can be confident that God is going to give us prosperity when we give? Because the Bible says in verse 9, For it is written, He has scattered abroad his gift to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Actually, the Apostle Paul quote this scripture from the book of Psalm, chapter 112, verse 9. The Bible says in Psalm 112, verse 9, He has scattered abroad His gift to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be lifted high in honor. God look at this person and say, the connection between giving to the poor and righteousness. If you read the book of Acts chapter 10, verse 4, you will find out that a man had revival in his home. God sent Peter to his home. Look at what the Bible says about this man. He was not a believer at that time. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gift to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. When Cornelius prayed to God, even though he was not a believer, and every time he write a check to give to the poor, it did not disappear in the wind. The Bible said every time he prayed, every time he gave money to the poor, every time he gave, it rise up as an aroma. And God can smell. <sighs> so good. It gets God's attention. How many people want God's attention? Giving gets God's attention. And he considered that people who are generous givers as righteous men. You know why? Because giving is connected to faith. And the Bible says, you are righteous by faith, not by good deeds. Abraham was considered righteous because he was a man of faith. When you are willing to write a check and give, you are exercising your, gift, uh, your faith that, God, I trust you. I obey you. I trust you and obey you that you tell me to give to the poor. This person, I'm going to give. And I trust you and have faith that you will give me back so that I will not be hungry and have food on the table. Giving is connected to love and faith. That's why God say, when you give, you are righteous because you have faith in God, because you trust God. You are not complaining to God that, God, you are not taking care of me. You show your faith and trust in God. And God can smell that aroma of your giving, of your prayer, of your trust, of your faith. And it gets God's attention. And He say, I have to do something for this man. I have to do something for this family. What happened? He sent Peter to Cornelius' house. And revival happened in his house. They have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the house. Because this man was a cheerful and generous giver. 
Amen. And not only that, the Bible promise. I like this scripture, Second Corinthians chapter nine. Very powerful. Now he or God who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. What is the seed here? Financial seed. And will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Double blessing. When you give from your bank account, from your wallet, God say, okay, I am a supplier of the seed. I will put money back in your wallet. I will put money back in your bank account. More so you can give more. So those who give with faith, generously, cheerfully, and wholeheartedly, God promised in the Bible. How many people believe God lies? I never think God will lie. God speak the truth. He said, if you give, He will perform a miracle to supply and fill your storehouse of seed with more seed to sow again. Everyone say, sow again. More seed in my storehouse. But it's a double blessing. You know why? Because not only your money will come back to you, but the Bible say harvest of your righteousness because of your faith, your righteous life, your generosity. Many souls will go to heaven with you when you go up to heaven one day. Many of you may be surprised. I tell you right now, you give tithe to this church, you give offering to this church. We produce CD and give for free out to the whole world, and we don't even know who gets saved. I know a lot of people get saved. I know a lot of people get healed from AIDS. A lot of people, family restore. I got the email from one lady from Thailand that her son walked away from her, hate her. She listened to the CD. She touched by the file of God from the CD. Suddenly, the son came back and reconciled with her supernaturally. Now the whole family serve God together. I believe that day when you go up to heaven, the harvest of righteousness that you invest into this church, many people will come to you and say, "Are you the member of New Hope Church?" And you say, "Yes." I never met you before. And they're going to either shake your hand or do like this, like a Japanese. Arigato gozaimasu. Or they may come to you and, and hug you like American style. Thank you. Or they may come to you and do like this, like Thai style. Thank you so much that you gave to New Hope International Church. Because the CD that you produced from your church saved me, restored my family, healed me. And I was serving God after that. I was so fruitful. And then a bunch of people follow that person and come to you. Another hundred people come. Can I shake your hand too? And you say, why? Because I'm saved because of this person. The seed of righteousness, the harvest of righteousness in heaven. You're gonna, a lot of people are going to come and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Amen. Come on. Gracias. Come on, come on, come on. Amen. You will be surprised in heaven that a lot of people are going to come and greet you and say thank you to you because of your giving. The harvest of righteousness. And verse 11 continue to say, I will end this sermon. I know you're hungry. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. God said that you give, He supplied the seed into your hand. Not that you will be covetous and stingy and just live in an American home by yourself. No. So that you have more to be generous even more. You can give even more generously because you have more than enough. You can bless more people in the world. God promised Abraham, I like the way God speaks. He said, I'll bless you, Abraham, so you can be the blessing to the nations. God did not say to Abraham, I bless you 
so that you'll be selfish, stingy, living for yourself, have a big home, nice yard, and you just you and your family and you and you and your own 401k. No. He say, I bless you so that you can bless the nation. I can be more generous to give to more people. Amen? Everyone do like this with me. And then, Amen. You receive blessing and you bless other people. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to read another story of a man named William. Okay, I read it because better to read. A boy of 16 years named William left home to seek his fortune. All his possessions tied to a bundle carried in his hand. He met an old canal boat captain. William told him his father was too poor to keep him and the only trade he knew was soap and candle making. The old man then kneeled and prayed earnestly for the boy and advised. Someone would soon be the leading soap maker in New York. It can be you as well as someone else. Be a good man, give your heart to Christ, pay the Lord all that belongs to him, mean 10%. Make an honest soul, give a full power, and I am certain you will be a prosperous and rich man. In the city, he remembered the captain's words, though poor and lonesome. He united with a local church. The first dollar earned, he gave 10% to God. 10 cents of every dollar were sacred to the Lord. Having regularly employment, he soon became a partner and later sole owner of the business. He made an honest soul, gave a full power, and instructed his bookkeeper to keep an account with the Lord 10% of all income. The business grew, so he gave 20%, 30%, 40%, 50%, and finally he gave all his income. This is the story of William Colgate, who has given millions to the Lord's house. William Colgate was a generous giver. And as he gave, God blessed him more. Amen. And last thing I want to say in verse 11, And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. When you give and you experience supernatural grace of God or provision, when I got the job at University of Washington, I cannot stop thanking God. I'm a foreign doctor, speaking with accent. University of Washington has about, at that time, about four to 500 applicants to be resident. And all of these people, many of them are PhD doctors. Not only MD, but PhD. But God gave me supernatural grace to get the job and income at university for many years. I and Pastor Da cannot stop Thanking God. We thank God for His supernatural provision when we give to God. We're going to learn more, have more faith and give thanksgiving to Him more. Not only that, when you help people and you give to them, they get saved, they grow up. Because of your finances, your giving, they grow, their family do well, their kids have blessing to the thousand generation. They're going to give thanks to God for you. That you are the vessel to bring them to Christ. And their family turn around. Their kids turn around because you give and you bless them. Amen? It will bring thanksgiving to God. Both the receiver and the giver. The giver will give thanks to God and the receiver eventually will say, thank God. Amen? 
I still thank God for a couple. I heard that they live in North part of Washington. I never met them for twenty something years. One couple from I don't know the name of the city that close to the border of Canada went to Thailand for campus crusade, and this couple preached the gospel to me. And this is American couple, and it got saved in this meeting. And then another couple from Kentucky taught me the Bible in the Baptist church. All these people give their life, their money to God, and I was saved 30 years ago. And now I'm a pastor of a local church, and now I can go to different countries to spread the fire of God. And I want to thank these two couples who gave up their life for many years in Thailand to preach the gospel to a Buddhist Thai man like me, and I was saved. I thank God for their life. Actually, yesterday morning when I woke up, I was still thinking about this couple. I don't know how to find them because they came back and disappeared for me. I have no way to find them. But one day I will meet them in heaven. One day I will meet the couple from Kentucky who taught me the Bible for three years. I will meet them in heaven, and I will thank them. I will thank the Lord for their life because of this couple make Pastor Lau become a man like this today. Amen. Should we live a life like that? Give our money, the finance, the time to do the good work, to be generous in all occasions, and people will give thanks. Thanksgiving will be in the mouth of people. Amen. How many people want to live like that? Amen. I want to stir you up today. God will keep His promise. You will never lack. You will never be poor if you are givers. Amen. Money will not stay with you forever. One day when you die, you cannot take even one penny. Don't let the opportunity go away. Invest. You have money. Invest into the kingdom of God. Give to the poor. Give to the mission. You will not be hungry. You need only one pillow to sleep on, one bed to sleep on, three meals a day. Sometimes I ate only two or one meal a day. Why worry too much about the number in the bank? That is the sign of doubt and unbelief. That you trust money more than God. If you trust God. You're willing to pull out the check and write the number and give, and you show to God that I trust you. I'm not asking you to give to me. I'm talking about you give to whatever the Lord leads you. The Lord will tell you what to do in the special offering. Amen. I just give you the principle here. Whatever the Lord leads you, give to the mission, give to the project, give to the poor, help people who are in need. Amen. How many people say I want to trust God more? Amen. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for. Your word, your promise in the Bible, Lord. We don't want to see your people in this house poor and selfish. We want to see them blessed like Abraham, and they can bless the nations. Oh Lord, even though they may come from the background like William Colgate, the father was so poor, but Lord, you can turn their life around because they become a generous giver. Oh Lord, no one in this house who give to you generously will be poor, will lack. They will have more than enough, overflowing abundantly to do every good work, and all of their needs shall be met at all times in all things. Lord, we thank you, Father, in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. We pray, and all the saints say, "Amen, Amen." Thank you, Jesus. I like you to read this scripture with me one more time. Stand up and read. The whole scripture, Second Corinthians chapter nine, verses six to eleven. Confess it right now from your mouth. Remember this: whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And it is written, He has scattered abroad His gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed, and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Let's read another two scripture. Psalm 91 verse 16. Let's confess together. Psalm 91 verse 16. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. So God going to give us long life. God will satisfy us and show us his salvation to our life. Psalm 118, 17. Let's read together. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Father in heaven, I pray. That as your people give, fear you, love you, seek the kingdom of God first. I pray, Father, that you shall satisfy them. Give them long life. And every problem that come to them, you will show them your salvation. You shall save them from calamity, from the attack of the enemy, from the financial problem, from sickness and disease. And Lord, they shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. I declare that the members of this church will live a long life and serve the Lord and no sickness can touch them in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We trust that this message is ministered to you. If you would like more information about New Hope International Church or other teaching CDs, please contact us at 206-275-1042. You may also visit our website online at www.newhopeinternationalchurch.com. To them all gathered in your name, I live to you.